Good afternoon, collectors and friends. Welcome to Trading Card Therapy, episode number 36. I'm your host, the doctor. Thanks for joining us today. So it was a fairly busy week in the hobby and industry for yours truly, but for many others as well. Last weekend was the Philly Card Show. If you want to find out details about future Philly shows, check it out at phillyshow.com. It was also the same weekend as the Dallas show, and that show was busy. And I couldn't imagine those were the only two shows going on across the country. So if you have a show that you think that yours truly should go to or someone in our community should check out, please let us know in the comments. We very much appreciate it. So I'm going to give you a bird's eye view um, and a quick summary of what went down at Philly. I talked about it a little bit on my good friend Jeremy Lee's Sports Card Live podcast. His show takes place usually every Saturday where I have a vintage spotlight at about 10.30 or so um, every Saturday night. But Jeremy had a prior engagement uh, last week on Saturday, so we actually did a standalone show on Friday night after I was able to spend the day at the Philly show uh, early the afternoon and early evening as my son had school and uh, I have him this weekend. So I was down there with him um, and we talked about the show uh, and a lot of other things related to cards. So if you haven't already, check out Jeremy's podcast. He has a few different ones on a sports card live network. He's on Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. And I'll be on this Saturday night at approximately 1030 with once again, what I like to call the vintage spotlight on his show. Afternoon, I think that's Harry, but I'm not sure. Appreciate you joining us here today on Trading Card Therapy, our 36th episode. So anyway, getting back to the Philly show, uh, it was very busy um, throughout the weekend, but it specifically started off on Friday busy. And people often talk about Saturdays being the busiest day of a three-day weekend card convention. This held true 100%. Saturday was mob. If you haven't seen the photos from various people that were at the show, like Santiago Sports and Heritage and anyone and everyone in between, including, of course, Vintage Breaks, our sister company. Um, we put a fair amount of content on social media. There's a lot more out there for you to enjoy. They had dozens of athletes, um, a lot of great dealers. Michael Rubin even showed up. Hey, what's up, Steven? Um, and uh, really, overall, the vibe was great. A lot of kids were there. Uh, special shout out to our very own Daniel Lynch from the Vintage Breaks community, who I not only pulled off a little cash trade deal with, but if it wasn't for him on Saturday, I don't know if my son Crosby would have got lunch because the lines for food were out of control. Uh, so I really am grateful um, and very, very uh, thankful that uh, Daniel took our money and got Crosby some lunch on Saturday. Um, what was selling at the show, I would say um, easily – uh, in terms of what was desirable and I saw physically, you know, being sold from tables, meaning I went back and it was no longer there, was, you know, vintage slabs and that $200 or so price point and under uh, for stars, Hall of Famers, you know, maybe some rookies uh, and such as well. Um, those seem to uh, be flourishing. I did see a bunch of people with like $8 and $10 graded card boxes. Those largely consisted of, yep, you guessed it, modern cards maybe of the likes of some, you know, basketball rookies that, uh, you know, didn't quite make it or may not make it. Um, same thing with football and baseball. Uh, so that was kind of, you know, interesting to see. 
Um, as far as, you know, higher end vintage, uh, we had some nice uh, vintage at our Just Collect booth. Ashish, who was set up across from me, had a really nice setup. Um, and there was a variety of dealers who had nice vintage at the show. Of course, our friends from Heritage and REA had some really great um, vintage cards that will be up for auction in the future. So if you want to drool a little bit, but you can't, you know, necessarily buy them, that's a good place to check out because you can at least conserve your budget, but enjoy what you see. Um, and so that was a nice uh, part of the show. As far as wax goes, um, TNT, Teddy from TNT Sports Card was probably the biggest wax dealer at the show. Um, my friend Steven Dickler from SD Trading was there. Um, and, you know, Marcella was there. Um, Fred was there. A few other folks who had, wa had wax, but no Steel City, no David Adams. Um, so, you know, in terms of like, for example, what was in the room of stuff that we look for on the modern side, there was only one total case of 2022 National Treasures Baseball, only one total case of 2022 Immaculate Baseball. Um, there wasn't a single box of Tops Gilded I could find in the entire room. As far as vintage wax, I would say the best vintage wax that I saw at the show was probably at Stephen Dickler's booth, SD Trading. And even though I didn't buy anything from the 1970s and earlier from him, I did get some iconic 1980s wax. Uh, as we did post about on our Vintage Breaks IG account. And if you're not following us already on there, check us out at vintage.breaks. Um, as far as memorabilia, probably the coolest item I saw was a um, Michael Jordan signed Sports Illustrated, the shot, uh, you know, the final shot that he made in Utah uh, to win his sixth championship. Michael Jordan does not sign SIs anymore. And I kind of thought about it overnight slash didn't place it as a high priority. And yeah, you guess right. I went back on Saturday to say hi to my friend Kev and he sold it. But thankfully to my friend Carlo. So Carlo, if you're watching and I think we're going to grab dinner soon, you know, I'm willing to pay you more than you bought it for, but I also know you like it a lot. So kudos to you for making a nice purchase. And uh, I hope it's in your collection for years to come. Hey, what's up, Ken? Thanks for joining us today. Uh, so, um, the last part I wanted to mention about the Philly show was specifically, it was fantastic to see the amount of kids that were there, starting with my son, Crosby, who spent Friday and Saturday with me, Jason, uh, who's new to our team, uh, about a month ago, he joined us. His son, Leo was there. Leo was actually a fairly, you know, I wouldn't say uh nuts collector yet, but he's, he's interested. You know, he was in there buying packs and boxes, opening stuff up. He was trying to trade. Um, so that was really nice to see uh, as well. Um, and, you know, in general, like I said, the vibes were really good on Friday, off the charts on Saturday. I was not there on Sunday um, as I was with my son. Uh, but, um, like I said, overall, great show to go to. Daniel may have had the buy of the show, our very own Daniel Lynch. He bought up a 19, excuse me, he bought a beat up 1948 World Series um, ticket stub. So he's hoping to get that slabbed and authenticated. And if he does, might be a nice uh, payday in there for Daniel, which of course will just simply help him to buy, yep, you guessed it, more vintage cards. So that is the, uh, the long story short on the Philly show. One thing I did want to add, no grading that I saw was being done on site. However, SGC was there in a nice surprise. They were taking um, submissions home with them. I believe PSA was there. Beckett was there. So at the very least, at least you could talk to reps of the respective grading companies, find out some more information, figure out what was uh, you know going on, 
as far as maybe turnaround times or upcoming specials. And uh, you saw me glance over to my phone. I'm glued to the Jets saga. Are they going to get Aaron Rodgers? I think they are, but I think that the Packers want to ring dry, you know, ring dry as much as possible the Jets um, and, uh, you know, get as much in, as they can in return, um, you know, uh, for Aaron Rodgers. But we all know they're going with Jordan Love, so we'll see. My pickup of the show or my favorite pickup of the show for my personal collection was this right here. A gorgeous 1948 Leaf Jack Johnson PSA 8. So this is the key to the set if you don't count the Rocky Graziano rarity. Of course, there's only a handful of those in existence. So if you took the best player non-short print in the 48 Leaf baseball set and 48 Leaf football set, it would cost you... No, Nick, we should be getting it any day. I thought it was going to be coming in uh, easily like a week ago. So I'll let everyone know in the community uh, the moment we get it in our Vintage Breaks Buy, Sell, Trade group. If you haven't joined already, make sure you do. It's a fantastic place to interact with other Breaker Maniacs and buy, sell, trade with each other for no fees. So getting back to the Jack Johnson, um, I just thought that in terms of the price, he had a tag of 1000 I think I paid $850 um, that I couldn't imagine You know what that same card in a baseball or football 48 leaf set would be, it'd be thousands of dollars. Um, I do like the artwork on it. You know, it's him straight on kind of in that, you know, Hey, I'm ready to kick your butt uh, pose. Um, and here you're going to go. I'm going to look uh, on the back here. I'm going to read to you what it says. Um, and then I will. Uh, wow. I, yeah. I mean, I knew he died early, but I didn't realize he died in an auto accident 46. I'm going to read to you the back here. It says he was the first heavyweight title holder, uh, won the crown from Jim Jeffries in, on the 15th round KO, July 4th, 1910. He went 26 rounds before being dethroned by the great Jess Willard. Was battle royal fighter at 16, had excellent right hand. He won 31 fights via the knockout route. Unfortunately, he was killed in an auto accident in 1946. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you uh, a little bit of our more extended write-up on Jack Johnson um, on Instagram. So on a personal note, often it sometimes get lost that while I'm a business owner in this great hobby of ours, I'm still a passionate collector. One card in particular that I've been looking to purchase for my own collection. And actually, I was looking for a nine. So that's why I said that. Um, I was looking for a nine of this. However, I know there's only a handful and they're impossible to find. Most are locked up in a PSA set registry set. So for those unfamiliar with Jack Johnson, for more than 13 years, Jack Johnson was the most famous and notorious African-American on earth. He transcended boxing. He became part of the culture and history of racism in the United States. He's best known for the fight of the century on July 4th, 1910, which we just discussed, which he would face off against James Jeffries. Uh, it was in front of 20,000 people in Reno, Nevada. Johnson dominated the fight by the 15th round after Jeffries had been knocked down twice for the first time in his career. Jeffries' corner threw in the towel to end the fight and prevented Jeffries from having a knockout on his record. The fight of the century earned Jack Johnson $65,000, which in today's money is just over $2 million, which is crazy. Because if you think about some of the boxing fights that go down today, like Logan Paul's getting $2 million, or even more for some of these fights. So um, I love this card. If any of you are boxing collectors, aficionados out there, please let me know in the chat. I would love to confer with some of you. I do not see that many boxing collectors out there. I see a lot more 
UFC collectors. So that is uh, the Jack Johnson. A new feature that I was going to roll out today on the show, just two cards we're going to do it with. We're going to roll out a feature called I'm going to grade these cards soon. And we're going to talk about what I'm grading, maybe why if you're not sure, and of course, show them off to you. So the first one is a fantastic looking W514 Babe Ruth. Fresh from a collection we bought fairly recent. Great eye appeal. Let me show Instagram. Clean back. Does have a little crease right here in the corner. And I'm going to grade this. Yep, so do I, Daniel. I'm going to grade this with um, SGC. And I want to explain to you the reason why. So in my experience, PSA is fairly tough on the strip cards putting them in numerical grades. So for an order, in order for a strip card to get a numerical grade with PSA, I believe it's much more difficult and they want to see a lot more of that border of the original card intact along all four sides. As you can tell on this roof, you can barely see a smidge of any of the original dotted line going around the card. However, there is a smidge right here along the left-hand side and I recently graded another Babe Ruth strip card with SGC, and I didn't think there was any chance in heck PSA would put it in a numerical grade. It turns out SGC did. So we're going to try um, SGC on this W514 Babe Ruth, and we will keep you posted about it, what, about what grade it comes back from them. I suspect if it gets graded, it will be a three. If it gets a numerical grade, of course, there is a chance it does get an authentic. Totally agree with you. Uh, SGC is the way to go on W514. Daniel, thanks for your opinion. All right, the next card. Now I'm grading more than this, but I just selected a couple cards. Um, this card used to be fairly inexpensive, believe it or not. Some refer to it as his rookie. It's really not. He's got a 48 leaf, but a 1949 Bowman, Larry Doby. Of course, key uh, person in baseball history as he followed Jackie Robinson as the first um, black player to play in the American League, following Jackie being the first in the National League. So this card, you can see, is low grade. It's got rounded corners. Um, it is creased. Uh, I believe it was creased uh, right about there. So best case, I'm hoping for a three, probably between a two and a three. Haven't quite decided if I'm going to grade with PSA or SGC yet. I'll look to see what the last few examples have done. And I also look to see what examples are currently for sale on eBay. There is the Larry Doby 1949 Bowman. All right. So the last thing I wanted to discuss for today, uh, our 36th episode of Trading Card Therapy is something that we mentioned briefly on Leighton's Loft yesterday. We kind of ran out of time, so I thought it would behoove us today to cover it. So we want to talk about fitting the hoard and what that means maybe for you as an individual, uh, as a collector, dealer, investor, whatever the case may be. So it often can become very overwhelming in this hobby of ours because we just like cards so much. As my son says, Daddy, you must have millions of cards. The thing is, he's probably not wrong. Um but I like not to think about the total volume. And the I would say the past few weeks, I really tried to 
figure out how I was going to thin my own hoard of cards. And I hadn't done this in a little while, so it just made perfect sense to put together what I like to call an old-fashioned eBay 99-cent auction. What does that mean, folks? Well, I'm going to take the time today to explain. So we all have too many cards, whether it be modern, whether it be vintage, or a little bit of both. And as much as like Check Out My Cards is great, or Probstein, or Brent is great, individual ungraded cards that sell for like 3 bucks to 100 not the easiest to sell unless you're a road warrior and do card shows every weekend. So what I've done over the last several years is I wait until I have a nice mixture of call it 06s, Gowdies, some Hall of Famers, some key rookies, maybe even a few lots, and I'll put out a group of anywhere from 250 to approximately 2,000 cards on eBay. I will start every one of them at 99 cents. I will run them for between 7 and 10 days. They'll all end on that following Sunday night, and I just let it fly. Well, believe it or not, this past week, I want to share with you firsthand the results. I ran out, there's like 473 cards. Of those, 450 got a bid, meaning at least one person bid 99 cents. And of course, many of them sold for way more than 99 cents. The aggregate, the total dollar in sales that we did, believe it or not, was almost $9,000. It was like 8,900 something and change. And... um there wasn't necessarily one card that was super expensive. The top card sold for about two or $300. And we had cards sell for as low as, I think, a buck or two. You might say, well, Leighton, where's the secret sauce? The secret sauce is in the work. You have to do the work. And because it's daunting and it's overwhelming, I'm telling you what to do, at least from one man's opinion. Don't do all the work at once. Do a few units one day. Try to aim for 20 or 30 the next day. And as long as you don't need the money, wait a few weeks until you get a few hundred units under your belt. Because I will say from one eBay experienced seller uh, advice, meaning mine, that they all feed into each other. So if you only have 06s, you're probably not going to get someone else who's collecting other cards. But if you have 06s, some Gowdies, some 50s cards of Hall of Famers, chances are you're going to get maybe a vintage collector who might go after an 06 that's in low grade maybe an off-grade Mickey Mantle. And we had we had both of those and many in between um, with this particular auction. And of course, if you do the math, it's about $20 a card, which is kind of high. Sometimes I've run auctions where the, the, the average sale afterwards is only five or eight bucks. But let me tell you something. I've never been mad after the auctions are over and said to, for example, my compadre uh, J5 who's sitting right there and said, you know, wow, we only did... $3,153 in cheap cards with this particular 99 cent auction. Of course, you always wanted to do more, but my point is that money that you get at once in aggregate for cheap cards that didn't have a home anymore in your collection, listen, check out my cards is great, but you still got to price the stuff. You still got to wait. With the 99 cent auction and formula that I have on eBay, basically my threshold is I try to have the card sell for at least five bucks. I know I have some cards sell for two or three. I don't really care because I want to sell it all. Um, and for whatever it's worth, our friends that check out my cards, I already have thousands of cards with them. So I'm looking to sell cards, not just have more cards on platforms and they sit there and I got to figure out the percentage and the sales to run. So like I said, for whatever it's worth, be diligent, do the work, do a little bit at a time so it doesn't make you nauseous. And before you know it, you'll have a few hundred units together in your Excel spreadsheet. And then whatever platform, excuse me, whatever um tool you use on the eBay platform. So for us, we use six, but I guess other people use turbo lister or, or anything in between. Um, 
Let me know in the comments if you do this over the next few weeks. I'd love to hear your success stories. On that note, we are going to wrap up today's episode of Trading Card Therapy. This is the doctor signing off our 36th episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you'll join us next week live every Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. If you're not able to, you can, of course, get your Trading Card Therapy fix on Spotify, through Apple, and any other place you enjoy your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.